You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill that purpose and live that life that God has originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. You are welcome to 2022 Governors Men Under Authority Summit. Put your hands together for Jesus. Right about now, we are going to go into the panel discussion. On Wednesday, if you were not here, you missed. So I will encourage you to buy the CD or go online. It's on YouTube. The Father's Church handle on YouTube is also on Facebook. There's a whole lot you need to, you know, listen to and God will help you and give you understanding as you listen in the name of Jesus. So this morning we are going to um, further this conversation and I want to quickly invite my panelists. Please celebrate Jesus as I bring in Governor Chris A.K.E. Governor Chris Ekei is a development specialist. He specializes in monitoring and evaluation. He's a governor in the Father's Church. He's married and he has wonderful children. Can you give up for Jesus? With Jesus' joy, please make welcome Governor Maxwell Ehechineme. Governor Ehechineme is an architect and a builder. He's a pastor in the Father's Church, well-educated as well. He's a governor, married, and he has wonderful children as well. Please celebrate Jesus. Don't stop. Hallelujah. And of course, help me welcome Governor Mudiaga Ifeta. Governor Mudiaga Ifeta was called to power in 1992. So if he stayed back practicing as a lawyer, he should be an SAM by now. Can you give it up for Jesus? But today he preaches the word of God in the Father's Church, Papi Hills. Can we celebrate these panelists? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And my name is Emmanuel Osemeka. I'm married to a wonderful woman and I have beautiful children. Celebrate Jesus for all of us. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So we just kick it off quickly. You're welcome, sirs. It's nice to have you again one more time. So in line with our team, Blameless, I'd like to give us two, two minutes to, you know, speak to the team. What exactly does it mean to be blameless? So we start with Governor Chris. Thank you very much. Well, um, it's clear, obviously, that we live in a in a terrible world, a world that is con constantly, you know, going bad morally, socially. Uh, we live in a world where evil, you know, has been welcomed as the right thing. 
and if you if you choose to do the right thing, you are marginalized and seen as not cooperative, and people put you aside. But we have an example in someone who lived in a world similar to ours, and his name is Noah. The Bible says concerning Noah that he was a just man, that he feared God, he was blameless in, the, in his time, in his generation, and that he walked with God in spite of the degradation in, in his time. So that is exactly what it is to be blameless. That in spite of what we see, and in spite of the corruption that we see in our society, in our world, even in our places of work, we are to be like Noah, so that when God meets a man to use, to reach out to our generation, like he did with Noah, he can find us worthy. That is it for us. Thank you. Praise Jehovah. Hallelujah. Governor Maxwell. Praise God. Um, I just want to look at it from the perspective of us as believers, you know. As believers, you know, we ought to be ready for Christ to come and, you know, rapture us and all that. And if you look at the end of it in Ephesians, it talks about us being wrinkled without spots. And basically that's being blameless, you know. So Christ is looking forward to us to be wrinkled without spot and without blemish for him to be able to accept us as his bride. And I think that's an aspect as a believer in these times that we begin to look forward to, not just in this world, but looking forward that when Christ comes, where will he find us? And will, will we be blameless when he comes for us? Praise God. Hallelujah. When Christ comes, will he find us blameless? Governor Mudiaga. Praise the Lord. I would like to look at a man that God himself testified about, and that is Job. If you look at Job chapter 1, the Bible said there was a man whose name was Job, that that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. So what made him blameless, what helped him to be blameless, is that he feared God and that he hated evil. We live in a time where Evil is prevalent. Everywhere you go, you see evil. You see wickedness. You see terrible things happening. These are perilous times. However, we have the Spirit of God in the inside of us to help us to overcome and live beyond all of this. The Bible says that in Romans 12, that we should renew our minds and not conform to this world. So if you find yourself in a situation where you are being pulled you know, to join in what is happening, you need to work on your mind now based on God's word. And Ephesians 5, chapter 10, says that we should carefully search out what is acceptable to the Lord. And that means there are things that are acceptable to God. And it's our duty as believers to always find out what is acceptable. And once we are able to do that, we will live a blameless life in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may be able to prove what is good, acceptable, 
will of God. So that is how to strive towards blameless. And in addition to what you mentioned, you know, to be prepared when the master comes that we may be that perfect church without spot or wrinkle and that we will be a shining example like we've mentioned you know on Wednesday that we are the light of the world praise Jesus Christ hallelujah so at this point I'd like to welcome uh, all our all those joining us online those joining on Facebook we are live on Facebook on YouTube on Instagram and of course on Mixel. You are all welcome in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Pastor Moody, I'd like to go back to you quickly as a follow-up to what you talked about regarding you know, on your intro when you talked about renewing of your mind. Specifically, within the context of being blameless, what exactly, you know, what are the practical steps that believers should take to tr renew their mind and transform their mind? The first thing is the word of God. To renew your mind, you know, someone said, you cannot, you know, for you to renew your mind, you need your mind to renew your mind. So, and to, to help you okay, build up your mind in that regard is to give yourself to studying the word of God. The Bible says we should study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, where we have a problem is where we do not rightly, because you can take the word of God and interpret it to suit your own, that particular situation or the circumstance that you find yourself. But when you take time to rightly, you will sit down and look at it and say, what really is God saying here with the help of the Holy Spirit? Then you will get at what you need to do in that situation. Otherwise, you know, you'll be drawn. You know, the people join scriptures to scriptures. Otherwise, you'll be drawn. And the Bible also says that, you know, we should give heed to the things that we have been taught, lest we drift away. So if you don't pay attention, now people come to church and, you know, maybe uh, the pastor is preaching about a particular thing, and what you are thinking is the other man. You are saying that ah, this one is for brother so so and so this one is for sister so so and so you leave yourself out of that you know admonition out of that correction now if you do that you have pissed it you will drift away but if you put yourself and say ah, this word is speaking to me and you begin to look at every other thing that you are struggling with it will help you praise the lord study to show yourself approved unto god a workman that need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.15. Can we celebrate Jesus? So quickly, um, there were a lot of questions that came in on Wednesday. Um, we, couldn't, we didn't have enough time to handle quite a number of them. And subsequently, lots of questions came in. So we'll try to attempt some of these questions. And a lot of these questions centered around um, parenting, centered around marriage, centered around you know, spouse and all that. So um, I would like us to quickly take a look at these questions within the context of our theme of blameless.
So, I will start with you, Governor Chris. So, this question came in on Wednesday. The question says, what do you do when your wife starts any more than you and as a result begins to make your life hell at home? Interesting. Uh, well, I don't know whoever asked that question. Uh, let me just like to encourage you first that um, this is not common to only you. It's not common to a few men. A lot of men are going through, a lot of men have gone through the situation, a lot of men have come out of the situation. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, there is no temptation that has befallen you that is not common to man. But in all of that situation, and I'm just paraphrasing now, that he makes a way of escape for you that you may bear up, take note, not a way of escape is not for you to escape the situation. That's what you may be under it and complete the process. So, and the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13, it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, can you give me the amplified classic please? Because I prefer that. It says, therefore put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands, you are going to a crisis. But you have to do all that the crisis demands. So the question is, what does the crisis demand? What am I supposed to do? The first one is diligence. As a man, you must be found to be very diligent. I don't know what you are doing, uh, but your prayer, of course, is not for your wife to come down so that you will go up. Your prayer is that God will exalt you such a way that you can also support your wife as much or even better than she's doing. So diligence is important. And what is diligence? I got it from somewhere. Diligence is concentrated, consistent, and well-directed effort. I used to tell my children this every day. Concentrated, consistent, and well-directed effort. You have to be hardworking. You have to be seen as a very hardworking a diligent person in your place of work. You have to be consistent. When it is time to go to work, even if you don't, you don't expect to see customers, wake up, get dressed, pack your tools, and head to your place of work. It shows diligence. It creates that picture in your wife's mind that my husband is actually trying. Day in, day out, you have to be consistent. And then you have to, it has to be well-directed. I can give you an example of my, I've been in this situation before. I had to, you know, change tactics. I was submitting proposals to the public sector. But of course, we know the corruption in the public sector, and I was not willing to. So my partner and I just decided, okay, let us try the private sector. We tried the private sector. A little thing came in, but not enough to sustain the family. What did I do? I dusted my CV. I revamped it. I started taking free courses because I didn't have money to pay for expensive courses. And I started applying. God saw that and had mercy on me. He gave me a scholarship. I went outside. I came back. And voila. Things just opened. Hallelujah. You know? And this continued for years. So that is it. Then you must also, the Bible says that husbands, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. verse says husbands should love their wives as Christ loves the church. So in all these areas, when you have gone through the crisis and you come out at the other end, you must be found blameless in this area. Very, very important. You must love your wife before, during, and after the crisis. So that when God blesses you, you don't say it is my turn to show her pepper. 
No, you don't do that. You keep loving your wife, and that is how to go through it. I don't know how long it's going to take. So you're, you're, the Bible says, rejoicing in hope, patient in, in tribulation, and then persistent in prayers. That is what the Bible says you should. So in all, in all of that, just keep doing that, and God will pull you through. Hallelujah. Yes, thou a man, diligent. He shall stand before kings and not mere men. So diligence, diligence is the key. Hallelujah. There are shining examples all over the place. Yours truly is one. Amen. So Pastor Moody, there's a question I want to put to you. This question came also on Wednesday. It says, how can a man control the natural instinct to be polygamous? In open bracket, the affectionate desire towards women other than your wife? I will start by saying that I have no girlfriend, spiritual or physical. <laughs> and someone asked me, you know, a friend asked me some time ago, how do you do it? And I said, if I'm looking at myself, then I will fall, I will have challenges. But it takes God. You know, as a natural man, yes, you'll be pulled into all manner of sexual sins and all that. But we are believers. We are born again. Now, I want to show us a scripture which will help us. In 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. Now, this question was also asked in the days of Paul. He said, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now we have here someone thinking of polygamy. Okay, but Paul is saying that that you are permitted to have one wife. You should even be giving thanks, thanks, thanks to God. Because what we have been called to do requires all our minds, all our strength, and all our resources. Now let's read, read on. Two, it says, nevertheless. Because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife. wife. And let each man have her own husband. husband. Now, I want to say here, because you heard the word wife, and you say, well, the one I have is a girlfriend, and you know, so I have one wife, and I have girlfriend. That is not what he's saying here. One wife talks about one woman. Okay? So you are not permitted as a Christian, to even begin to think, you know, and the Bible also says that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now, the life that I live, I live by faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So you are living a life for someone. You have been crucified. You are dead to these things. Now, when you begin to think along that line, you will fall. So the first thing you say to yourself is that I have been crucified. I am dead to these things. Please put your hands together for Jesus. I, I'm staying with you, Pastor Moody. I'm staying with you. There's a follow-up question to this. I consider this particular question a follow-up because it also came on Wednesday. A wife was talking to her husband. This is how the, uh, the, um, the question came. It says, 
a wife says to the husband, Honey, I can't keep up with conjugal duties anymore. Could you please find yourself another lady to perform that? Better still, I can get one for you. Now the question is, as a believer, how does the husband respond to this? Or what is he expected to do, being still very agile, so that he will not be blameless? President, so that he will be blameless, right? I would like to say, first of all, that uh, if the person who sent this message is here, he will need to come for counseling. Because, you know, there are certain questions that you cannot actually, you know, you cannot answer without having the details of what is going on. Mm. In, in that home, but we will try as much as possible. Mm. Now let's go back to the text in First Corinthians 7. Mm. Let's go to 3. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Okay? 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. I tell my wife, I say, look, you can think anything you want to think, but this body is mine. And she understands that. You can go wherever, but this body, I tell this body what to wear. I tell this body what to do. Look at the next one. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife. When I, walk, when I came out this morning, anytime I dress up, I go to my wife. I say, are you okay? Did I do that this morning? Are you okay with what I am wearing? If she says yes, if she says no, I'll go and change. Because this is her body. The mind is mine. The body is hers. So for that person, I speak to the lady, now to the woman involved. Your body is your husband's. You don't have authority over it. Now, if you go on, it also says that you should not deprive one another except to give yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, now, the, the issue of sex in marriage is something you discuss. You sit down. If you're having a challenge, okay, maybe there's a reason for that. You sit down with your husband, talk about it. If you need to get counsel, counsel. if it's a medical issue, you can also deal with it medically. You know, God helping us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So in addition, it is advised that this couple possibly to see the pastor for you know for that counsel praise god so i come to you governor maxwell this question also came on wednesday said if you married someone that doesn't care about your business what do you do to remain blameless i don't know if it's a man or a woman that's asking this question so if you're married to a spouse of yours and they really don't care about your business, what do you do to remain blameless? Praise God. Um, let, me, let me speak concerning myself, right? You know, I'm a trained architect and all that. So my kind of work, my wife is not. So 
the issue of having had to get interest in my business, you know, may not come up. Maybe it's a kind of businesses where you have to come together and all, and all that and do. But as a professional and also a businessman, I don't think that is a big issue at first, you know, when your wife doesn't have interest in your business. Because over time, you know, our lives between us and our wives doesn't end for just a period of time. It ends for so a long period of time. And I don't know how long they've been married and how long this thing has happened, but I know you have to give it time. Over time, you get to understand that your wife will get involved in your business. My wife doesn't get involved in my business sometimes. You know, I might do some designs and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you like about this? You know, I can share those stuff with her. So in such regards, when you have a situation where your wife does not care about your business, I think maybe you need to do some level of marketing. If you can't sell your business to your wife, I don't know how else, who is the next person you can sell it to, you know? She should be your first customer. Yes. You know what I mean? Excellent. So you should be able to sell your business to your wife for her to be able to accept that. Then I think everything will work out well. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I have a follow-up question because I think somehow this next question relate, is interrelated. So it says, it's another question. As an entrepreneur in today's Nigeria, I ought to be dispensing value always by putting out value. He says, how do I strike a balance between giving out free value and selling value? Also, how does one become highly sought after in his niche or field of specialization? He says, can you answer within the context of the theme, blameless? Praise God. Um, Bible speaking says, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. But it means that even as a workman, your first, your first boss is God. You know, whatever you do, you make sure that God loves what you do. You're doing it unto God before any other person. I also want to use this opportunity to also speak for, for employees. You know, most times you're in offices, you think your boss owns the business or you work for your boss. Therefore, you know, you don't come on time, you close at the nick of time. Boom, when is that time you know you, you close? You don't give anything to it. You just, well, this is not my business. I just come, I earn money. But that business that you, or that place that you work, you are working for God in that place. Is God happy with what you are doing? Do you clock in on time? Do you close on time? Now, in terms of value, those things that time, when you keep to time, when you keep to time, it's also value. You know, people, people exchange time for money and all that. It's also value. So you find the situations where if you come for work or you have that kind of situation where you need to exchange value in, my, in, in that kind of case and, you know, you don't know what to do about it. Basically, you need to understand that when you exchange value, you need to know who you give value to. Free value or monetary value. There's sometimes you do pro bono works. Even as an architect, sometimes you, you do pro bono works. You just do for the sake of wanting to help, not because you want to earn money, even if you don't have the money. There's sometimes you do work just for, for free. And there's some, there's some works you do that may not, because we are Christians, we are not of this world. Our, we don't copy the world. But what you think might bring you profit may not be what you bring you profit. You may go headlong into it and all that. This is it. And all that. Then you discover that this is not what it is. Because God is speaking you concerning a particular direction. The Holy Spirit is important. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, you will do what God wants you to do. So it's not every businesses you go in that you want to make profit. There's some businesses you go in you just want to help. There's some businesses you go in you just want to, you know, bring in God into it. So I think with that, you know, I don't, I don't. 
I don't know how to, you know, properly explain. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God. Praise the Lord. Please put your hands together. Come on. Let's, let's give it up for Jesus. You know, as, as Governor Maxwell was speaking, you know, I just got reminded of myself. I met Pastor Ikena um, in 1996 in Lagos. And somehow, I came into Abuja also as a student. You know, and over time, I've been with him. I've been with Pastor Ikena ever since till today. I got married. In fact, I met my wife in his house. And I got married to my wife under his ministry. The first major job I did after I left government work was with Pastor Ikenna till tomorrow. I'm still working. But I'm not being paid physical cash. I'm being paid somehow. Because all I have done is as a result of one, the value that I, I saw in the man. And I felt that for me to be able to sell whatever value I've gotten as a, in education or in, as my training, I need to give it to someone. Simply saying, you need to serve someone to be able to be served. If you can't serve someone, it will be very difficult for you to be served. What am I saying? If it's difficult for me to come under authority, it will be very difficult for me to dispense authority. Praise God. Why did I use that example? It may not work for everyone. Um, yesterday, we were talking about my, our days of growing up and some of the things we went through, you know, how a pastor or a brother can come and chastise you for what you've done wrong and you, will correct, you take correction. But in today's world, you can't chastise anybody and go, in fact, they, they will tell you the history of your life and how poor you are and why you are not able to tell. So, the value you get from life is what helps you to now be able to sell value. Yes. You have a testimony. You know, I have a situation where a mentor of mine called me up and said, hey Max, I have this job I want you to do. Are you free? Can you do it? I said, yes, I can do it. So we tidied up this job and all that. We got the job. We got the contract. So he said, hey Max, you know, have conversation with the client. Let him pay the money into your account for you to do the, to do the work. I said, no, sir. I think he pays the money into your account. Let me do the work. He said, no, no, pay it to the account. I said, no, sir. It should be this other way around. So eventually he didn't like it, though, but he paid, the client paid the money into his account, and I was under that situation to do the work. You know, I did the work. I didn't ask for any payment. Whatever he gives me, I receive. But at the end of the work, I tell you that the work came out well. But something happened. I have a work right now that I do. The experiences I have concerning that work that I did is what is paying me in this work. I don't need to do anything. You know, so the, the exchange of value, you may think that it is free, but you need to get something out of it sometimes. It doesn't come, people don't, don't really pay you to go to school, do they? Absolutely. That's the point we're making. So, I run NGOs today, work for United Nations as a consultant. Why? Because I learned under a man who was diligent and was tutoring me. All that I thought I didn't get then, I've gotten it one million times over. Can you praise God for that? So that's about value. Praise Jesus. And of course, boldness. So, Governor Chris, let me ask you this last question as we tidy up. A question came and says, 
It is good to be honest and open with your children. He's talking about parenting. Especially the teens and young adults. However, to what extent can one be open and honest that will not be detrimental? Simply saying that will not make one to be blameless. Absolutely. Well, um, the Bible says that um, the, major, the, the main instruction, train up your child or your child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So how are you training up the child? What are you telling the child? What you want to share with the child? Is it putting the child on the right path or the wrong path? Mm. So you have to establish this thing, these two things. What is your motive for sharing such experiences or being truthful with your child? The second one is, what is the conclusion of what you are sharing? If what you are sharing is to deter the child from heading in the wrong path, you know, giving examples of how that decisions you took actually led to certain detrimental or, or, or results that you are, you are not proud of, then it's okay. But if it is to brag, to make them feel, okay, you were a G when you were back in, back in school, and then there is no lesson to take away from that, then you are actually sowing seeds that will actually put that child on the wrong path. So the conclusion of the matter matters. You understand? So whatever you are discussing, whatever, however open you want to be with your child, make sure that, uh, that uh, the conclusion is such that it takes the child away. You are using your examples and other examples like yours to make that thing uninteresting to that child. So that I make, and you are sharing good examples, you are making that example an interesting one for that child. I took this decision, it didn't do any, but this is what I got, and I'm grateful to God for that. And then you are able to share with the child. But if it is just to make them feel cool about their daddy or about their mommy, then that is not a good way to go about it. Very important, you know how teenagers are. The hormones are very active at that time. And they are susceptible to taking wrong decisions, given peer pressure. Don't add to the fuel, okay? As much as possible, whatever you discuss with your children must be such that we, we train them up in the way that they should go, not in the way that they shouldn't go. Very, very important. Praise the Lord. Awesome. I would like to invite Pastor Ikena to please come. Please put your hands together for our panelists. Four wise men or three wise men. Hallelujah. Yeah. Excited to be in God's house. Are you sure? Then put those hands together and celebrate the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. You know my latest meditation on God. What is raining for me this season? is my owner. You don't understand what it means to be owner. You know, recently, my wife is not around, so I said, let me try and go through the whole Bible. I was reading, reading. I said, let me even start from Genesis 1 and just, and it said, in the beginning, not federal government, not USA, not Canada, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth.
Praise the Lord, somebody. So nobody was there with him. He created it. And then the Bible says, all things exist for his pleasure. So he didn't just make, he maintains. So if you are alive today, it means God wants you to be alive. Can somebody put his hands together? Put our hands together. Jump up on your feet if you're sitting down. And acknowledge, I'm talking to those who are sitting down. But if you're jumping, that's still all right. He deserves your devotion. He deserves your consecration. He deserves your worship. If you're besides yourself for God, you're doing the right thing. He owns you. The church just got some dogs. When I go to see those dogs, they just don't stand and look at me. They're wagging their tails. They're dancing around. You know why? I own them. Somebody that knows that Jehovah owns him. Can you respond to the one who owns you? Can you wag your tail if you have a tail? Can you shake your hand if you have hands? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Amen. We belong to him. People make a very common mistake when we say the Father's church. They remove the. I pray you don't make that mistake again after today. It means we belong to the Father. Amen. Today is Father's Day. But when we say the Father's church, it's not saying church of fathers. No, it is the church that belongs to the Father. To the only one and God Almighty. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are the Father's church. We are not Father's church. We are the Father's church. We belong to the Father. Amen. Okay, quickly, um, my assignment this morning is very uh, brief because I, I trust God as the time continues, we're going to, you know, look on. But I just want to make um, an explanation to us because we have a program and the theme is blameless. It doesn't make sense. This is not, it's not the type of thing you use for a theme. We should have used conquer, overcome. Eh? It's your time. Now, now, help me, help me now, somebody who knows this thing better than me. What are the things? Sharp, sharp. You must be from Ariaria. The ones in Abuja, it's your time. Breaking through, overtake, recover all. Double blessing in seven days. It's my family's turn. Double speed, overtake, acceleration. Thank you. Anointing for. Hallelujah. I mean, all right, depending on the assignment God gave to them, praise the Lord. But if I were you, I would ask, because I asked, why the theme blameless? And the reason that they gave us that theme is what I want to just take a few minutes and put across to us, because we are not here to excite you. We are here to engage you, so that going forward from today, it will be your desire and your prayer to be blameless. Somebody say amen. amen. If at the end of the summit, you don't make it your prayer to be blameless, you don't make it your pursuit to be blameless, then we have not discharged our assignment successfully. We will succeed if after one month from today, in your personal business, in your home, in your marriage, anywhere you are, you are saying, Lord, give me the grace to be blameless. If we achieve that, then we have done what God wants us to achieve. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, blameless is a word that, if you're a Bible student, is a word that occurs from Genesis to Revelation. 
sometimes directly the way it is, sometimes in different forms, okay? But one thing that you would note is that that word is a word that God will not negotiate, is a word that he will not adjust, is a word that Christ's sacrifice on the cross did not remove. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know, there is this school of thought, there is this modern thing that says Christ has finished it. Praise the Lord. Now, part of the passage, I thank God for the panel. I think our brother talked about um, Ephesians 5, 25, 24, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave what? Himself for her, okay? That he might present her to himself a what? Glorious church without spot nor wrinkle that she may be holy and without fault. Praise the Lord. Christ wants to marry you. Christ, in fact, has engaged us. What is going to happen at the end of this whole thing that is going to happen is our wedding. From the day you and I got born again, we got engaged to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, Christ is coming back for, I don't know if anybody here is going to marry, for those that are married, and your spouse, your bride comes, here comes the bride, and she's coming with camouflage. Will you marry her? How does the wife appear? In beautiful, bright, white bridal gown, isn't it? That's the way you want her to appear. Christ is coming for a clean church. Christ is coming for a holy church. Christ is coming for a glorious church without spot nor wrinkle. There is a way that the bride cannot appear in jeans, ripped jeans. And say, hub, hub, here I come. Is that going to work? It won't work. So Christ is coming for a church that is without spot nor blameless. Heaven is also looking. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro upon the whole earth. He's searching for a man whose heart is what? Loyal, that he might show himself strong. Now, our brother also mentioned the case of Noah in, in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. God looked at the whole earth and his heart grieved. And he was going to destroy the whole earth. That's what he had decided. But the Bible says Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. And what was Noah's testimony? The Bible says Noah was a just man. Some translations will say a righteous man. NIV will say the next one, I'm blameless in his generation and walked with God. It was based on that that God said to Noah, I am going to destroy the world, but I will not destroy Noah. The greatest place of safety you can be in is a place where you are blameless. Praise the Lord, somebody. I don't know much about medical science, but the ABC of disease prevention is cleanliness. The fundamental of being free from disease is cleanliness. That's why if you go to a hospital and it's dirty, better go home with your disease. I mean, people here don't have disease, amen? You're healed by the stripes of Jesus. But if you find an environment that is dirty, nothing good can come out of there. In fact, 90% of medical treatment is to clean the place that is infected. Why? Because from creation, holiness is responded to. Your body responds to cleanliness. Everything responds to cleanliness. Praise the Lord. We live in an estate and um, 
by the grace of God and by the mercy of God, we have not had rats inside the house. There are lots of rats in the estate. You see them? Some rats that negotiate with cats. When the rats come, the cats come, they say, which way do you want to turn? The cats will say, I go this way. The rat, And I'll be wondering, all oh, these cats eat these rats now. But the rats are so big. But I think by the mercy of God, because of the way, you know, God has helped us to keep our house, the rats have not found it interesting. There's a state your house will be in, rats will move in there and rent without paying, you know, paying rent. What I'm trying to say is that in nature, in the physical world, cleanliness produces result. More so spiritually. Are you with me? I've told you many times about the experience I had. Now, when I fly in the plane and there is turbulence, I don't even move. Like, I think it was Pastor Dave that told us that he helps him to sleep. He has started helping me to sleep. When there is turbulence and that shaking is going, that's when I'm able to sleep. Because normally, you know, I I may not be able to sleep. So, but when you are not at, in the right relationship, when you are not at peace with God. I've been in one where there was turbulence and the plane was going to crash. And I knew that I and God, according to Benon, were not in talking terms. Praise the Lord. I knew that this was a bad situation. I knew where I was going to. I knew that I couldn't even knock on the doors of heaven. If I died now, if I see heaven, I'll say no. I'll find another place. Praise the Lord. Some people are bold and began. I would not have knocked on the door of heaven. What I did then was by the mercy of God, I had my younger sister who was born again. I said to her, please beg God on my behalf. Let us not die. You see, but when a man, the Bible says, the righteous is what? As bold as a lion. Listening to, I don't know if you heard of of, uh, Reverend Cooker's uh, statement recently. He was saying that people who are threatening him with death, they are wasting their time. A man whose hands are clean, killing him is sending him to his reward. You don't threaten believers who are living right with death. The only fear believers have is to run from evil. That's why our theme is blameless. And it's important because we live in a time where it's not the major meditation. I want by the grace of God to change your goal. To change what is your pursuit. To change what is your desire. You don't come to church to prosper. You don't come to church to marry. You don't come to church to do all of that. You come to church to be right with God. Why? Because the very first thing about you started with God doing it. And if God did the first and basic thing about you, then no good thing will he withhold from you. Praise the Lord, somebody. But the same God is saying, now you, he said to Abraham, walk before me and be what? Blameless. Found not blameless and said, no, listen, I let you in on a secret. I'm about to destroy the whole world. This is what you're going to do. You read through the Bible, you see that one thing that is essential, that runs through from beginning to revelation, is that God wants you and I to be what? Blameless. He doesn't want us to be successful. He wants us to be blameless. Let me explain that a bit so you you understand it now. We live in a time now where people, Christians, genuine Christians, 
are discouraged, have, you know, depressed. A, a, a genuine Christian shouldn't actually be depressed, but let's take it that way. Are depressed because they look around them and they can't, you know, say this or this is mine now. I've acquired this, I've obtained this, I've received this. Our brother, uh, Pastor Mike, introducing them, say, this one is married and has children. But the Bible tells us of Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. And he said, this couple, what did the Bible say about it? They were both holy and righteous before God and blameless. And they were what? Holy, blameless, all of that, yet barren. In their generation, there would have been those who had 70 children that did not have that testimony. Church, you must not miss your way. The pursuit you must continue to pursue in any situation is what? To be blameless. We are in a time now, there is something they call now, is it ectopic pregnancy? Where believers, born again Christians that know the word of God are getting into things so that they can have children to say they have children. A child is the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. But when you compromise your Christian faith to carry a child, sister, what are you talking about? You're not, every day you call that child's name, you're going to remember the process you went through. When you compromise your faith to get a husband or a wife or to buy a car or to do any of those things, every day you're going to be under condemnation, not from your neighbor. The thing about blameless is that it's not somebody calling you. You know yourself. Praise the Lord. So, I will not push you to succeed. I want to push you to be blameless. Because I've realized that the Bible says, time and chance happens to them all. I am not married because I'm more handsome. And you're not married because you're less handsome. Time and chance, what? Happens to them all. Some of the most important people in our faith didn't marry. Paul didn't marry. Jesus didn't marry. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, I just want to get this across, church, that if you are a Christian, if you are born again, and if you want to take the secret that is hidden, the simple secret that is hidden in this world, what you should make your goal is in any situation to be what? Blameless. Forget about the other things. God will see to it. Praise the Lord, somebody. All the things that men put around and put, you know, as accolades and achievements and all of that. Anything that can be achieved by compromise, you should not lose sleep over it. Are you hearing me? Once you set your heart, like the panel said, and know that in this situation, a brother was asked the question about when the wife is anymore. The Bible says, having done all, Ephesians 6, what should you do? Stand. It didn't say when you have done all, it will end. Having done all, what do you do? You stand. They asked, they asked about divorce on Wednesday. The Bible says, if your unbelieving partner have canceled a couple and we are begging the lady, say, please just apologize to this man. She said, in Jesus' name, I will not apologize. Do you understand? If the unbelieving partner departs, the other partner is not bound. That's what the Bible says. Because you could get into a relationship with somebody that does not want anything that is good. Are you hearing me? 
But the job you must see to is that you are blameless. It must not be out of what I did or what I didn't do. Let the madness be completely proven that it's the other parties. That's blameless. Are you with me? So your assignment, my assignment, I'm pastoring a church, I'm doing business, I'm working for somebody like we talked about employees. Make sure that in that office you're blameless. They don't pay me enough. Then the honorable thing is this. You can resign. But don't go and steal from the, your employer. Because he doesn't pay you enough. When you steal, you're a thief. Praise the Lord. Your boss doesn't pay you. That's his own. You steal, you're a thief. They're not going to ask you. Did you steal because you were not paid? No matter your excuse, you are not blameless. But in the faithfulness of God, if you are blameless, the scan of heaven will zoom and zoom in and find that right in that prison, there is a little boy called Joseph who is faithful. And what will happen? There will be promotion made, taking you out from where you do not deserve to where you deserve. Can somebody say amen? That is what the Christian is called to. No matter where you are, I wish I could, you know, in some other way, pass this message on. That is my call. That is your call to lead a blameless life. The Bible talking about bishops say the bishop must be blameless. A church member must be blameless. A student must be, a Christian student must be blameless. Every one of us must be blameless. It's a precondition. What do lawyers call it? Is it condition sine qua? What was that thing, lawyer? No, there's an Italian one they used to come. There's no other way. Praise the Lord. And you get this position, I can tell you as your brother, as your pastor, you can go to sleep. You know why? Blamelessness has a way of attracting the attention of heaven. Pastor Moody talked about Job. Job was on his own because he was blameless. God called Satan and said, have you considered my servant Job? Noah was on his own. God said, I found Noah. What? This man righteous. I will preserve the earth through him. Read your Bible. Everywhere you find a man used mightily by God in the Bible. The condition was not that he wanted it. I've said it here. Some of us don't like hearing it. But ambition is not a spiritual quality. Except his ambition for blamelessness. I, I give you an illustration. My time is gone, so I leave it. Daniel was put in Babylon, or rather, they were taken captives into the uh, nation of Babylon. And the Bible said, the king says, "Select for me young men, good-looking men, bright men, whom I'm going to train in the matter of the king's business." Isn't that a testimony? That is distinction. They set them apart. They imagine, you know, they bring captives and they say, okay, all of you, 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 we're taking you to Asorok. You're going to live in Asorok. You're going to eat Asorok food. You're going to do all of that there. It should be something to rejoice about. And Daniel and his friends got there and, you know, they were still watching. The next thing they said, this is going to be your meal. And Daniel said to himself, this is supposed to be good. But if I eat this food and drink this wine, I will be defiling myself. Now that I'm a captive is not my doing. Praise the Lord. That I'm where I am is not my fault. But if I eat this food, I have 
openly said, I compromise my value. So Daniel said, the Bible said, he made a request to the king. I said, please, can I be excused? Because if I eat this food, I will defile myself. Child of God, Daniel served four kingdoms. He did not apply for any of the jobs. Let's rise on our feet. Blamelessness will distinguish you. Daniel served four kingdoms. He did not apply for any of the jobs. Why? Because consistently, anywhere there was a choice to be made, Daniel made sure that he was working in alignment with the one who says, exaltation does not come from the east nor west. But God is the judge. I always laugh when I go to, I listen to pastors and they're trying to prosper people. They're trying to make people move. I laugh. You can't even move yourself. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't move yourself. If you want to be faithful to people, get them to the position where God will lift them up. Read the Bible. God is the lifter. God is the situation changer. God is the one that turns around. No matter how I shout on your head, if you're not positioned for God's lifting, it won't happen. But when you're positioned for God's lifting, it doesn't matter the number that gang up against you, it will happen. Is somebody hearing me? It doesn't matter the country where you live in. We are living in a nation now where it's almost without a miracle, it's not possible to survive this country. Do you know that? Can I give you the good news? God knows you're in Nigeria. Yes, God knows where you are. And he has not changed the standard. He hasn't said, because you're a Nigerian, I permit you compromise. Because you're a Nigerian, I permit you no. What it means is that in his faithfulness, like our brother said, he will make a way of escape. It means that somehow, your money will be like the cruise of oil. It will not run dry somehow he will give you instruction. He will cause you to find treasures in the sack. You will find favor where it shouldn't be. Doors will open. Why? Because God knows you are here. If God could say to a long covenant Hagar and say to her, turn to the left. I have made a well there to provide for you. God knows where the faithful are. My purpose this morning is to encourage you. Make blamelessness your pursuit. For the men that are here, it is our day, it's our week, and it's all of that. To be a man is not easy. I'm sure you know that. There's a saying, say, to be a man, no be a day's job, isn't it? Uh-huh. To be a man is a calling. To be a father is an office. You know why? Nobody becomes a father by accident. Praise the Lord. Minister George talked about we carry the seed of procreation, isn't it? You did an act. It was what being a father is a result of harvest time. You get what I'm saying? Now, from the moment of seed time, you have taken an office. And that office makes you responsible. Now, it means, sirs, brothers, you know, the men in the church. It means that you can no longer take off your jacket and do as you like. You have become responsible to lead. You have become responsible to cover. And you must not be found blameless in it. I read the Bible and I realized that when Eve took the fruit and ate, 
Eve spoke to Satan. They had their conversation. Eve ate the fruit, gave Adam. I realized that when God came, he did not ask Eve. God did not go to Eve. You know why? Eve occupies no office. Eve is PA. I have made you what? A helper. Comparable. And Adam himself said, this is now. So Adam ratified Eve. This is now bone of my bones. Flesh of my flesh. And I will call her my Eve. So Adam chose Eve. God did not go and say, Eve, why did you talk to Satan? Why did you take the apple? Why did you give it to your husband? Why are you evil woman? No, God went to the man. Say, you are the one I gave this office. What happened? What did you do? And I speak to every man here. Listen to me, men. It's not easy to be a man. But thank God we are not alone. Hallelujah. Thank God the Holy Spirit is there to help us. But you must understand there is a high call. There are some things I I would ordinarily want to do. But when I remember I'm a father. There are some stories I don't want my children to hear about me. There are some things you don't want to hear. You don't want somebody, you know, your wife to come and see you. You have removed tie, you removed shirt, you're fighting. That's what parents should be doing for their children. Imagine your children holding you, daddy don't go, daddy don't go. Do you understand? You're a father. You're an example. You're a role model. I'm not making excuses for women, please. But the woman can lose her temper and shout and do all of that. But as a man, you should be like the pillar of stability. All the chaos is going on. You just remember you're occupying an office. You stand like the British butler. See the way they're looking at me. I'm also a man. I'm in the same position. Do you understand? It, no, no. You, you must be blameless. The standard for us is higher. Praise the Lord. We have no choice. As the church, as fathers, as men, listen to me. You are, it, it's, it's, I don't know what to call it, but we, we don't enter. Listen, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians, at a time, some of them say it is better for a man not to marry you. To be a man is not easy. For those, I'm sure nobody here beats their wife. She talks you bitter. There's a career in wrestling. There's a career in uh, 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 boxing. There's a career the UFC, the, the other one. Kickboxing. There's a career in that. Go and do it and make money for us. Do you understand? She talks, you talk. There's a there is comedy show. Go and start that. Listen, it's a call. You must, you know, sometimes... You, you argue with your wife or you're in a position and you think I've won. You cannot win over your wife. It's a shame that you win over your wife. How can you win over your body? He said, no man ever hated his flesh. But what does he do? He said, he nourished it. So the only beating you can beat your wife is to massage her. Are you hearing me? Nourish her. It's not easy. But it's the call. Less than that, we will not be found blameless. That's the simple truth. As you do that, because God himself is a father, he knows how to turn things around. Listen, there is nothing as sweet as somebody signs say, so good, so good loving somebody when somebody loves you back. You see, when as a man, you love your wife right, let me tell you, no matter the macho you do, you can force your wife to wife you. But when your wife responds to you, to the love you love her. That one is another level. Do I have a witness here? 
when your wife is responding to you because of the way you love her, it said no, money can buy it. I'm telling you the truth. Now that is the call that we have been called. Anything less than that, we are not blameless. Praise the Lord. Don't worry, women. Just enjoy your day. Just, just to help you, just so, so that some, somebody doesn't think mom she has finished pastor's head. That's why he's saying this. Let, let me help you. The Bible said. He said to husbands, to men, what should you do? He said, be careful how you treat your wives. What? Lest your prayers be what? Who hinders prayer? That's God giving you the conclusion. God is saying on this matter, they didn't say to the wife, lest your prayer be hindered. It's the man they said. So concerning the man, the man that has the question, the wife is making the house hell. I was telling Pastor Chris, Almost every Christian man has gone through that season. Do I have a witness here? Anybody that's gone through that season where your wife is any more than you? You're not raising your hand, so it's only me. Let me tell you, it's humility 101. You know this goatee we carry? Sometimes God wants to shave it. It's humility 101. And the Bible says, it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because you see, some of us men, you know, because of the privilege God has given to us, what we think about ourselves, we will call God and we sit together with him and drink tea. But he permits situations to teach us that he made us who we are and we must surrender to his pattern and his program. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may abandon you. No. That he might what? exalt you. Pastor Mash said his own when we were talking. He said he did taxi. My own also, I was getting ready to, I was fixing blinds. I was going to do car hire before Uber was. I was going to start doing airport taxi as a chartered accountant. Is someone hearing me? The very day, maybe I should share this for some man. The very day I was going to get the money to buy the car. So I started doing airport taxi so that I can support my family was the very day they called me to resume on a job I interviewed over a year ago. I was going to the east, to Enugu, to collect money from my dad so I can buy the Mercedes that I wanted to use. I wanted to do it big, to do airport taxi. While we were at um, Guagualada, they called my wife, who had our mobile phone, and she called the person I was traveling with, that this is what they said. The man said I should come back immediately. It was a Friday. I turned from Guagualada, came back, went to my tama, sat with the man. The same Friday, the man said to me, listen, telling you the truth. He said to me, you're going to do this job and you will, I want you to start on Monday. It was Friday afternoon. I know the next question. How much do you want to be paid? I adjusted my body. I calculated all my problems. And put it in financial terms. And said, this is the amount I want. That was a company that they were paying the accountant, maybe altogether per annum, less than 100,000. They started paying me then, 1997, 600,000 with car. Are you getting what I'm saying? Why? Because God has seen that this man has what? Humbled himself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. My time is long gone. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord. Grace, Lord, to be blameless. It applies in every situation. 
blamelessness. Someone sang a song and says, Holiness, holiness is what I want. Blamelessness, that's what we want in every area. Let me not be sad and be found wanting. Let them not say, but in this area, I should have done this. Let me do my own part. Let it be left for God to do his part. God knows my enemies. I don't know. I don't even know who my enemies are. God knows my friends. God knows where my help is going to come from. God knows my lifting. God knows what I can bear. Let me leave it to him. Let me occupy myself with the very thing that is my business. Can I say to God, look at me. I've set myself. Job said, I have looked and I will hold fast to my integrity. There was nothing Job could repent of. He took care of everything. He looked around. And that's why God just came back and said, I turn your captivity around. Today, somebody is making a decision. From today, that will be my pursuit. You have been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you have been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, off Bannock's Guarampa Expressway, near next Cash and Carry, Abuja, 9 a.m. Sunday and 6 p.m. Wednesday. Call us on 070-31588-404. You can also find us online on our website, www thefatherschurchonline.org Facebook facebook.com slash thefatherschurch Our Twitter handle at tfatherschurch Also on Instagram thefatherchurch God bless you.